Yeah. Well, a hard race, I mean, is like you'll probably, I could, you know, spend anywhere between 30 and 40 minutes elapsed time over 470 watts. And then there'd be another, another, you know, 20 minutes over uh, 430, between 430 and 470. G'day legends and welcome back to the First Room Podcast presented by Zwift, episode 71 and today's guest is Blake Quick. You guys are going to love this episode. Blake is in his first year at the World Tour level with Jayco Alula. He is a very talented rider, think a hybrid in between sprinter like a Michael Matthews slash Jasper Phillips and he sits with the potential to be as good or better than those types of riders. Uh, I've been told by a few of his mates and also some other people around the blocks that Blake possesses a talent just off the couch uh, that is extremely high. And I think when you put those types of athletes in a high-performance environment with the right mentors and leadership, they often turn into diamonds. So it's really exciting to see how Blake progresses in his first World Tour season and then in the years after. And That's some of the things that we talk about in this episode, and I think that you'll really find interesting. Blake does a great job of explaining what makes a sprinter a sprinter um, outside of just having, you know, your huge power, your 1,500 watts in the tank. It takes more than that, um, and I think he does a really good job of explaining that and what else you need to be just there in the final to be able to sprint in some of these World Tour races. We also discussed the pathway of of coming into a team as a young sprinter and trying to prove yourself. Uh, He has a really good point where um, he explains a scenario where Dylan Grunewagen um, just did something at the UAE Tour that gave him a little bit of a a confidence boost uh, in one of the early races. And yeah, we discussed switching off uh, mid-season break. He just had one. We discussed what he gets into um, that bit of yoga retreat. And um, just some nice, fun Q&A questions as well from the Patreons and also the moon landing, the famous moon landing flat earth question that's now going to be a staple of the podcast. So I know you guys will enjoy this episode. Uh, If it's your first episode, by the way, if this is your debut listen to the TPR podcast, first of all, welcome. By the way, my name's Jethro. I'm the host and founder. TPR is me. And uh, if you like this episode, there will be more in the catalogue, so make sure you go back and listen to them all. Uh, the whole point of this podcast, everyone, and the, the um, I guess the regular listeners will know that I created this podcast so that we can get to know the writers at a better level than what we just see on TV. You know, the boring interviews we see um, after or before a race, the writers don't want to talk after or before a race. You're never going to get their real personality showing, or very rarely will you. Um, for or after a big race so I try to get the best and the most interesting riders on the podcast so that we can discover what they're like and um, and hopefully become fans of them not only for what they're like on the bike but also for what they're like off the bike as well so hope you enjoy this episode everyone and thanks for listening big shout out to Zwift our title sponsor of the podcast also Smith Optics and Attacker Cycling Apparel um, can't do it without the help of the sponsors and I'm digging in deep to get a fresh new one so let's just just uh, see how it goes over the next month or so but I'm working on trying to get in another big fish if you can get bigger than Zwift which I don't think you can which is why it's so good to have them on board alright legends time to get stuck in the episode get the ergo on get up Zwift 
maybe even get on the commute in winter. It's time for Blake Quick with Jake Lula. See you on the other side. Yeah, I've just uh, just had a week off, so been laying on the beach all week. Yeah, I heard you're at a um, like a yoga retreat. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Where are you? I'm actually currently back in my apartment in Girona, Spain. Oh, okay. Getting okay. the ball going again. Yeah. Right. And uh, how was your time off? That was really good. Much needed, to be mm. honest. Yeah. I think I think the uh, body and head were getting a bit tired, but it's nice to have a week off, and then like as soon as you come back, you feel motivated and like ready to try and get the next goals and stuff which is really good for me because i've got a really nice second half of the year plans okay are you uh like are you someone that needs to when you're switching off the bike like are you just you don't look at it you don't watch it you don't just completely switching off yeah yeah i completely switch off i completely Go away from it. I didn't even think about cycling for a week. So, yeah. Yep. Not thinking about what I was eating or anything like that, which is lovely at the time. But now I come back and get on the scales, and my dietitian's like, you're going to be hungry for a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's good, though. Yeah. I think for so highly, you know, it's such a high tuned world, isn't it? Like to just completely, you know, switch off is, um, it makes me think of Geraint Thomas because, you know, he loves to just, turn the taps off once he's off season, he's off season, mm. you know, and I reckon that's the reason why he, can, yeah. he turns up in good shape for the races that matter. Um, oh, 100%. I think to get the high highs, you need to dig yourself a little hole and then <laughs> crawl back out of it. <laughs> well, what was the highlight from last week? Um, oh, well, just I was actually in Nice. Um, I was staying in Nice with Jared. Prisoners, um, kind of the whole thing, really. We just laying on the beach all day. Uh, we met some really nice Aussies. Um, probably the highlight. The highlight probably would have been meeting the Aussies down at the beach. It was like nice to see some fresh faces that weren't European when you talk to them. So that was really nice. That's <laughs> good. Flappy told me you met someone nice. That just made me laugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I won't stitch out. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm though. actually I'm, I'm actually going around to his place for a coffee after this. So busy oh, day. Yeah, <laughs> good. You got all, all the crews together. That's sick. It must be yeah, good just yeah. to have, you know, like you said, just a couple of, um, you know, got your Aussie mates or just, you know, fellow Aussies mm. around you there in Jerome. I'm sure it makes it much easier to um, to live in Europe, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's unreal. Like the all the boys here and the girls obviously just become like a little family. Like mm. it's so nice. It's super nice. Makes it like I don't get homesick because I have I have my friends and well, like my family now here. Yeah. So. I I read in a um I know you said something ages ago in, in some article when you were writing for Trinity and you said that um like uh, obviously you're talking about the difficulties of being away from Australia mm-hmm. uh, over in Europe. And you said when you're on tour, it's the easiest part, you know, like that's the easiest part 
as opposed to being back yeah. in the apartment in Girona. And I wondered if you if you felt a bit differently because now that you're a little bit more ingrained. Um, uh, I wouldn't say different. Like, it, there's still parts of being on tour that are super easy. Like, everything is done for you. All you have to do is worry about getting the most out of yourself on the bike. Like, obviously, you have to tick all the boxes along the way. Mm. But everything else is done. Like, you don't have to do your washing. You don't have to cook, clean. <laughs> you just go training and then they're, like, lay in your bed for the next 15 hours and then you'll do the same thing tomorrow. <laughs> but um, it's, like, it's a bit different now because I, I feel at home here. So when I'm away for a while, I'm, like, can't wait to come home and mm. see my housemate who's another Aussie and uh, the rest of the boys and stuff. So, yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, who do you live with? Uh, I live with Jacob Willems. He's okay. he's not actually he's at the moment he's a chef for the specialized downhill mountain bike team. No shit. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah. That's, that's a pretty good I lived a life at home as well. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, is he whipping up living with a chef? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. He does. Yeah, sick. I always wondered if people who are like do you're a chef or a cook somewhere at home if they actually spend um like are cooking up nice meals at home or maybe just simple meals come a bit easier for them, you know? Yeah. Well, I think like, I mean, probably most of the cooking around racing is super simple because you're just eating rice and like, you know, only, only the essentials, nothing fun. Hmm. Um, But here he's quite good. He likes to get a bit creative and see what he can do. I it, just saying that it reminds me of I can't remember what I was I was listening to some other podcast and a writer was talking about it might have been maybe it was Tom Globe was talking to someone about it but he said that during one grand tour he kept going to all the um the Jaco boys because apparently in 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 your feedbacks you had like some super nice cake that was getting whipped up every time and they were getting stuff all just your boring shit and I, it just made me think you guys get some some good stuff in the feed bags or it must be something. Um, it's like a cake or something I think crazy. <laughs> normally, normally it's pretty basic for the races I do because I'm doing like, you know, the one day races where it's like, yeah, you're, you're just trying to eat as much as possible and you just, you just get it down. Whereas in a grand tour, it's like after three weeks, like the amount of food you have to eat on and off the bike. Mm you just get a bit sick of it. So for sure that they are whipping up something creative <laughs> that I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I don't yeah. get the luxury of getting. I get yeah. I get a bottle with a, a hundred grams of carbs in it and then I'm eating four gels an hour and a rice cake or something. Yeah. The iron gut. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, I've been, you know, following your season. I think you're doing pretty good so far. Um it's been good to see you uh, uh you know just get stuck into some of the lead outs as well. And um it was really nice to see you um have like a a kind of chance of your own, I guess it uh was it Cecilia? Uh, that was pretty cool. You yep. got you got on the podium there. But I wanted to know, you know, first world tour season, um has it or well, the first half of it so far, has it met like your expectations so far of what you thought it might be? Um, to be honest, I've done some bigger races than I thought I would have done. Mm. Um, but I've had a really good time actually. I'm, I'm kind of fell in love with the lifestyle and, and like going away to races with the boys and the motivation that's around the races and trying to win and 
like the passion is is pretty intense mm. um like flanders i was blown away at how big of a bike of, of just an event that was like yeah when you, go, when you go yeah it was insane like like the days before the race we would go just out training with like stevie and bling and you know you'd be riding down the road and some random would be jumping up and down screaming stevie's name like it was <laughs> insane like cycling in australia is so small but in europe like these belgian superstars are huge yeah huge. Yeah, it makes me think of those, you know, the, the CX worlds and those um, yeah. like crowds they had there. Like it just, yeah, I can only imagine. Um, it's their, yeah, that's their AFL, isn't it? Over there is our equivalent. Yeah, exactly. It's it's huge. Mm. And was there <clears throat> was there something about like being at the top level of cycling that you thought you might not uh, like like that you that you've sort of grown to like so far? Um, well, obviously it's quite, quite strict with what you can and can't do. It can be quite restricting, but in some ways, but then in other ways you have quite a lot of freedom. Um, Mm. like not, not really. I mean, I feel like I kind of knew what I was getting into, um, (laughs) when I came into this, but uh, there's, there's a few things I've noticed, like at the end of the day, you're, you're a writer for the team and um you you have a job and you just do what you're told and you're basically always on standby you know like i could have been on holidays last week and maybe whitey could have given me a call he's like mate you're on the next plane out of there i'm sending you to a bike race (laughs) (laughs) um yeah but not not really to be honest like there's not really very many downsides at this point um Mm. for me I'm, i'm loving every bit of it except for the few crashes i've had yeah um but yeah. other than that it's been it's been really nice yeah oh that's sick man that's wicked um it was really a long like uh well, i guess it was just like a long boil for you to get to the world tour maybe from like some of your earlier results because i remember those uh mm-hmm. maybe your first stint or first proper stint in asia and you had those two pickups in um Lam Kaui, and um mm-hmm. obviously like corona and stuff got in the way of things and uh it's it's really cool to see get to that top level really really sweet um but i guess i wondered if this season you've like at the start of the season have you has like the body like have you trained differently now that you're like do you get a new coach when you go to jaco or are you still coach with the same person and like i just wondered if you'd sort of found anything out about yourself physically since you've mm-hmm. been at this level um yeah so i, I did get a new coach this year um, like being a new guy coming to the team, they kind of <clears throat> push you into getting a coach from the team. So I asked for the same coach as Dylan Grunewagen, okay. um, who's a, a British guy. He's, he's really good. And I really like working with him actually. Um, mm. he's like really smart and into all of the, the science. So whenever I ask him something, he can explain exactly why we're doing it. That's good. Eh? Um, yeah. Um, but I haven't even done a full, um, like, rotation of the different types of training yet. I've kind of oh, really? had a very limit, yeah, limited amount I could do while we're trying to race and stuff. And now I have two weeks of base um, and then I go to altitude and we do 
basically a different kind of stimulus, which is more like trying to build my engine really big. Um, mm. <clears throat> I think at the start of the year, they were just quite worried that like a lot of sprinters, if they do too much training, they get quite slow. Um, but I think we found out I'm quite robust so I can, I don't really lose my sprint too much, even when I train quite hard, which is nice to me and yeah, could be a good, good indication of where I can go. Hopefully I can be a bit more of like a Jasper Phillips and kind of get through some tougher days and, and have some really good speed as well. Yeah. That was just the rider I was thinking of. I've heard like a few people say that, and there's, I've got a question later from one of our audience I wanted to ask, but um, you know, what the rider you could be or what you're similar to now. And people say, yeah, I've heard some like people say, you know, similar style to like a Michael Matthews, that sort of thing. But I thought mm-hmm. straight away, Phillipson's much more, Phillipson's like a, like, well, yeah, like a, he's a proper sprinter, but he's almost got the versatility of, of like a Matthews or some of those classic guys. He's made, mm. he's a new style. I don't know. He's kind of like the in-between. Of yeah. Like your, your Sagan and your, I don't know, like Vanderpoel, like in the middle, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I've, like racing in the peloton with these guys, I've kind of realized where they are like really strong and where they're like kind of, well, obviously still really strong, but the, like Bling is, it's actually unbelievable how well he climbs. Like, yeah. It is unbelievable. Mm. And then uh, a guy like Philipson, he climbs super well as well. But, you know, you put him in a race like Roubaix and he's, he's on the podium. And then you, he's winning sprints at the Tour de France. Like, yeah. yeah. The new era of cycling is is unbelievable. You just have to be able to do everything. Yeah. I reckon, like, the way they obviously used to train and, and the ideas they had for training, like, 20, 30, 40 years ago, all this new science and you know all the new knowledge everyone has on how to improve themselves as a, like an athlete i reckon that's what's unearthed like all these different you know style of riders is not just like the three-year climber sprinter roller um, or tt is now there's yeah. all these, like fucking in-betweeners and yeah um, but yeah anyway that must be super cool to try like you said you haven't gone through all the different you know cycles and stuff of of, of your training yet and mm-hmm going into those new uh, phases of training must be super exciting because, you you know, you would know how, you know, what you can be yet because it's still so early days, eh? Yeah, I'm I'm super keen to get stuck into it. Um, I have, like, a really nice second half of the season. I go to Tour of Poland, Tour of oh, Norway, nice. uh, Tour of Croatia, and then um, Tour of Turkey. Nice. And then I get, yeah, there'll be a bunch of one days in between this as well that I go with um, Dylan, mm. but the tours I get get on my own to kind of figure it out. And I'm really excited to see what I can actually do and, yeah, you know, try and pick up a, a win or a few wins, hopefully, at the end of the year. But obviously yeah. they're big races, but the moon, land on the ship, the sun, land on the stars, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I haven't heard that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> but fucking oath, all those races are those are. I mean, they're sort of the races that you that any rider will, will sort of prove himself in before they step up again. Like Tour of Poland comes to mind for, oh, maybe Stora and O'Connor had a couple of good results there, and Henley as well. And um, yeah, and then and then Happy had a good one at maybe Norway last year or the year before. Yeah. 
Um, Norway would be right because I think the uh, what does the winner get? Like a kill? I oh, know it's like a lifetime supply of salmon or something. Crazy. Yeah. The um, yeah. So oh, there's actually two tours in Norway. So there's tour of Norway, which has already been, and then there's Arctic tour of Norway. Oh, which that's is, what I'm, I'm going to Arctic tour of Norway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Arctic so that that is that is the one I'm going to. <laughs> um, I think it's the like um maybe king in the mountains or like point jersey or something gets uh it's something ridiculous like oh. i'm searching it up now I thought it... tour in norway <clears throat> and oh mate that'd be so good as well have you been to norway yet oh uh, yeah actually i did it last year oh yeah that's right you got a fourth place yeah Where's yeah really yeah. Right? yeah sick that's right yeah. that was a hard stage as well um yeah yeah totally good result Oh, they got some weird jerseys. One looks like a, a peacock jersey. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, that's cool. That's it's wicked. You got a good little calendar to hit. And then I wondered if you've been to. Have you done any altitude training before? Is this your first like proper altitude block? Um, I've actually done two different altitude blocks now. So in twenty twenty one, I broke my collarbone in October. Hmm. Um, and then I had four weeks off or five weeks off, and then I basically went straight to altitude in Andorra and did three weeks there, and then I came back down, went back to Oz, did um, like the end of November, December in Oz, and then that's when I went into nationals and mm. won nationals there. Yeah. And then again midway through last year, around about this time, I went to – uh, Andorra again, and then I came back down and did tour of Norway mm. or Arctic tour of Norway, and then I was meant to do Lavanier, but then I test positive COVID. So, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've done two blocks, and I find they work really well for me. Mm. Okay. Um, when you, you've got a couple of races with Dylan, and you've already done quite a few um, with Dylan Grunewagen, yes. uh, and you've already done quite a few this year with him as well. Um, what's it been like, like getting to know him, and and does it take long to sort of develop that, you know, that feel that you need to have when you're in that lead out role? Um, it does take a little bit, but I think it depends on the the person, like the first. The first ride I had with Dylan was at UAE. Mm. Um, and like on the first day, he put me, I was like one of the very first guys in the lead out train. <laughs> okay. Um, and then it all went, it all went to shambles and it was, uh, Luca and I were the only ones left with him oh, at the end. Mm. And I think like as soon as he saw that I was, uh, like obviously as another young sprinter he was kind of maybe a bit standoffish as soon as he saw i was there for the team and you know i was 100 percent committed to trying to help him win mm. then the next day he was like you're back second last man no shit really so, yeah yeah wow that's really cool yeah, that's, yeah that's interesting that i didn't know that he would choose the whole lineup yeah yeah it's he well it's his his job to win at the end of the day, so he bears all the pressure. Mm. If everyone else stuffs up their job, it's still his job to win. So mm. that must have felt good when he said, "Knock in second last." Yeah, yeah, it was quite nice actually to kind of 
go there and straight away fuck him, put a little bit of a bit of confidence into me and yeah, yeah. and let's have a crack with it. Yeah. And riding behind Luke as well, he's a fucking beast and he's so clever <clears> in <throat> those finals. That must be um like what does Luca bring to that sort of lead out? Is he like a bit like I imagine he's kind of super vocal with the train, like controls it? Um yeah, he he kind of controls it, but he is when he's riding through the middle of the bunch, it's it's like parting the Red Sea. It's so hard to follow this guy. He <laughs> is I I would think I'm pretty good at riding through the bunch, but he is just on another level. Really? But what, what is it? Just yeah, this, Dylan just gaps or like it just moves people out of the way yeah, or he just somehow he just sneaks through these gaps that you know, as soon as you put your bars in there, it's gone and your bars are getting crushed in between two guys' hips. <laughs> um but he he is really good. Like I also noticed um at UAE before the race, like the team meeting at the start, on the one of the stages, uh he said like it, it pinches here, but we have to go through the middle because as soon as you come out onto the bigger road, it parts straight in the middle. And it's like exactly what happened to a T. Oh shit. And, yeah. and then we we slotted straight through. He's, he really knows his studies a lot, like mm. a lot. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Um. Well, when you're in the, I guess you would have seen it from being working in that lead out role, and then and you know you spend a lot of your own career, I guess, sprinting. Um, mm-hmm. whether it's a small group or a larger group, but I wondered, can you maybe you can explain because there's a, uh, I think a lot of people who listen will be maybe they can go and do 1400 watts in a sprint, you know, and pump it out for 10 seconds on the local, uh, mm-hmm. local bunchy, but you know, and they might see some <coughs> stats on the screen, like, you know, someone like a Caleb or a Cav might only, might only peak in their sprint for 1400 watts and someone at home might be thinking mm-hmm. I can do that too, you know, out of the box. Yep. But I wondered if you could explain maybe, what else it takes to just sort of be there at a at a final, whether you're the second last man in the lead out or you're sprinting for yourself, like um what's sort of the harder components to make sure that you're there at the finish of a hard race to actually then sprint? Yeah. Well a hard race, I mean, is like you'll probably I could, you know, spend anywhere between thirty and forty minutes elapsed time over four hundred and seventy watts. And then there'd be another Another, you know, twenty minutes over uh four thirty, between four thirty and four seventy and then so on and so forth. So it's like the accumulated fatigue, um, and then your body's fatigue resistance to then be able to do that after, you know, burning six thousand calories mm. um is what makes the difference. And then you get to the sprint and you do, you know, seven hundred watts for thirty seconds in the chair and then you have to sprint for twenty seconds. So when yeah. you get those overhead views of the final K, the helicopters and people are in the wheels and you yeah. come out of the wheels, you're already doing, yeah. you know, six, seven hundred yeah. in the wheel. Yeah. Well, the guy on the front is doing, you know, a thousand watts, just going full gas. Yeah. 30 second max pulling off. That's crazy. And then also, yeah, your positioning as well. <laughs> Do you have yeah, to have that, yeah. that whole hectic scene like in the final? You must just have to either love it or hate it, right? Like if you if you don't like yeah. it, you're probably not going to be there. No, a lot of guys don't like it. 
Um, well, normally it's the sprinters love it, and the like the time trial guys and the climbers and stuff absolutely hate it. But <laughs> I personally love it. Yeah, it was everyone like a lot of the other guys get absolutely terrified of crashing, but it's gets you so like amped up and oh, it just makes you feel alive, I guess. Yeah, sick. <laughs> love that. Um, okay, what about this? Um, in the in the peloton now. Or it might be someone in another sporting code or anyone. I wonder if there's anyone that's riding at the moment um, that like motivates you or inspires you. If you see them, you think, you know, I'd like to follow that path or, um, yeah. Um, there is actually. Um, hopefully he's not going to watch this. I don't want to give him too big of a head. Um, one of my best mates, Caden Groves, is actually probably one of my biggest kind of role models. Mm-hmm. He's just, he's super professional. He has the physiology of a god. Like, he's just, <laughs> he works so hard. But he's also super inspiring down to earth. And obviously, I've seen, being so close to him, I've seen, you know, how hard he's had to work to get where he is. Mm. And it, he's also shown that, you know, how quickly things can change, especially for a sprinter, you know, going from, uh, winning maybe three or four races a year to going to basically any race mm-hmm. with any amount of climbing and going, you know, he's a he's a favourite to win. Yeah. Good answer. Well, Caden, I don't think he does listen because I've actually asked him on the pod twice. He's pied me twice. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, he's totally no, he's... pied me. He just had no time for oh, it. That's okay. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a busy man these days. He's a busy I think... Man. Uh, I went and saw him uh, two weeks ago, mm. and I think he said he'd spent 14 days at home all year. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. It takes a toll, but <laughs> hey, it's, it's a good – that is a really good um, path to follow for yourself because, yeah, he did – he had a really nice trajectory into where he's at right mm. now, you know, from winning. I mean, yeah. I can remember winning maybe the, the last Aussie crit title he won. That might have been the only one he won. And then he just, yeah, got the small races here or there and then started, I think he got one, I think it was one sprint where he, he beat, you know, Jacobson or something like that last year. And then everyone was yeah. like, this guy can properly ride. And now this year he turned up yeah. super shaped, like proper getting over these bergs. Like he's, yeah, it's a, it's a really good answer. Um, Okay. So I've got a question here from, one of our legendary patrons, James, Mr. James, he asks, right? And then I've got actually, I've got some questions after this if that are going to be a bit of fun. Um, James asks, we kind of answered that. Yeah. So, how do you see yourself developing into a top sprinter in terms of like the pathway that you might take to get where you, get you? <laughs> where you want to go and also how do you like measure your own success how are you doing that this year okay so i guess the pathway is i already know i have the speed Mm -hmm. um and the outright power Mm. but and and now i've i've already figured the bunch out mostly you know at at least like the point pros and stuff the world tour races are whole different ball game Mm -hmm. um and like riding the bunch of i figured that out and then from now it's more about building my engine to be 
at the finish of races that either other sprinters don't get to the finish of or um because most days there's there's no such thing as an easy race anymore they're all super hard and super selective um so you basically just have to be the last guy in the front group with the most speed yeah (laughs) so it's just about building my engine now to being able to make the finish of of races I can definitely win Mm -hmm. um, that maybe I've just missed out on now. Mm. Um, But I've also think I've proven a little bit that Sicily that I do have already have the speed um, and they weren't that easy. They weren't that easy of days. Mm. Um, um, And then the team will, my coach will kind of guide me along the way. He already has the, the plan laid out. Um, and then what was the next part of that question? Sorry. Uh, it kind of answers it, but how do you how are you measuring your success? Uh, say this this year. Um, I don't know. I don't think I, I've not had a bad year, but I've not really had much to write home about. I think. I mean, I've had a, I've had a good year, but yeah. for me, success is I want to win. So. Okay. When I win, then I'll then uh-huh. I feel content for maybe a day or two, and then I want to win again. Once you win once, you want to win twice, and then once you win twice, you want to <laughs> yeah. always always searching for that next one. Yeah, bloody oath. No, good answer. The first one you nailed that um, answer. That was it was a really good one. Um, yeah, cracking answer. Okay, I've got a couple questions here of my own. These are some of my favorites, right? So. Say you're back in Australia, right? Greatest country on earth, um, even though I'm from New Zealand, but still, I live here. You're, <laughs> go All Blacks. Um, you're back in Oz. Now, you just say this is summertime, nationals time. You've just been out for a training ride with the boys. It's just a training ride, though. Where are you going to afterwards, right? You've done five hours. You need something to eat. Where are you heading? This could be somewhere in Brizzy. could be, I don't know. You must have somewhere, the hot spot where you're going afterwards. Oh, I actually do have a place. I think you're going to love this. Uh, Hop Nation in Footscray. Hop Nation? Hop Nation. Right. And why is that good? Um, I don't know. Plappy and I have had plenty of very good times there after <laughs> a long ride in the summer. Yeah. It's uh, okay. quite, quite hot. You need to quench your thirst. Yeah, you do with a zero alcohol ale. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at it now. Hop Nation Brewing Co. How good. You guys need to be on the website, maybe. Yeah, well, maybe we can we can tear that up this year. Mm. At the end of this year, maybe we can tear that up. Yeah, get the Flappy could swim it our way in there, surely. My break is heart, the Bright Brewery. Oh, true. Oh. <laughs> 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 okay, um... Oh yeah, all right. This um, yeah, this is a good one. This is my favorite question actually to ask. Which do you believe in less, right? Do you yeah? Which do you believe in less? The moon landing, so that they actually land on the moon, or that the Earth is a sphere. This question actually came up last week. Get out! Did it really? Uh, At yeah, the I think it was between. Yeah, I think it's between Taj 
Alistair and myself. <laughs> um, well, right. maybe, maybe might have been here with Wellsford and, and my housemate, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, Interesting to see what Wellsford thinks. <clears throat> well, I mean, the world, the world is a sphere. So I guess I believe <laughs> in the moon landing there. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I shared, I asked Kel this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I shared my theory, and um, yeah, I think everyone already knows this, but I think that the moon landing, I like that it happened. I think it did happen, but I think mm-hmm. they faked the broadcast because yeah, I don't think they could have done that on TV. You can't televise on the moon yeah. in the sixties. I just don't know. I reckon they tried, yeah. and it, maybe it was shit out. So we'll just give it a go. We'll see how. <laughs> The camcorder goes, and then yeah. if not, everyone's been waiting to see if we'll get there. We've got to prove it, and then they made the yeah. Show. So that's what I think. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of conspiracy around that, isn't there? With like the waving flag. And oh yeah, the flag. Yeah. All, the, all, all this other <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I, mean, yes. I don't know. I don't know enough, but there's there's always a way to punch a hole in a story, isn't there? There is, yeah. There's people out there. They're on, you know, they're on the forums. But that's just what I think, anyway. Earth is a sphere. I'm with you. What I like Sam... that. That's a that's a good way of looking at it, actually. Yeah. What did Sam think, or what did Taj think? Were they sort of um, flat Earth believers? I think we were. No, I think we were all on the same page. To be all honest. Yeah. 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 It's an easy one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had anyone say it the other way? No, I've been too scared to ask some of the European writers. I was like, I'm not sure if they get it. <laughs> yeah, probably not. There's a get few I should have asked, but like, yeah, I think maybe if I'd asked, like, I don't know, if I asked, if I, I had Tobias Floss on once, so I'm not sure if I'd asked him, he'd get it. But I don't know. You know, sometimes they don't quite have the same humor. Yeah, they're very <clears throat> straight up and down, like. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand when you're making a joke and when you're <laughs> yeah. being serious. Actually, you know who did was Mads. He was I don't know if you've spoken to him yet, but he's pretty um he's a funny dude. Uh Is that um Peterson. Mads from Trek. Oh no, I haven't sp- I haven't spoken to him yet, no. I think he's got a bit of personality for sure. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of the guys do. They're quite they're fierce on the bike, but off the bike they're they're pretty relaxed and just mm. will love a laugh. Yeah, that's the whole point of this podcast, you know, because, you know, when we're watching on TV, we only really get to see yeah. the riders, you know, they've got the helmet on, got their glasses on, yeah. and, you know, they get asked just the same shit questions all the time, you know, the media. So, yeah. like, it's good to just um, mix, yeah. it, mix it up. Yeah. Uh, okay, I've got two more. If you're going to eat one food forever, what would it be? Ooh. Every meal too. Every meal. Every meal. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's a really tough one. I don't. I don't really have a massive favorite food. I maybe I'd probably say like steak and chips. But you get you can get a bit sick of that. You know, I couldn't eat that for every meal. Chips. Maybe like a pizza because oh, you yes. could have like a breakfast breakfast pizza. You know. Yeah, eggs and bacon on it, and then whoa, yeah, chocolate, chocolate pizza, Nutella pizza for dinner, you know? Yeah, yeah, chocolate, yeah, Nutella pizza, yeah. Okay, pizza's a good one, universal. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, universal. All right, and what about this last one? You can 
new rules in the UCI that just dropped right now, and they say that you can transfer one rider into your team. Anyone, living rider. Oh. Um. Oh, I would probably say. Oh, I should really know. I'm having a mind blank. I'm forgetting his name, but I know. I know who. Okay. Would be uh, the lead out man from Bora now. Oh, is it um, is it... Van Poppel, Danny Van Poppel. Van Poppel, Danny Van Poppel. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's lethal, isn't he? Yeah. He's, you have him on your team, you're going to win some bike races. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what happens next year when, I don't know, maybe Sam might not be there or maybe Danny goes somewhere else. I just want to see him with because yeah, Sam Bennett might have lost his touch a bit. Yeah, and I think he it's, he everyone knows how good he is now, and he doesn't even have like a yeah. world class in his wheel. I mean, that'll be crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Danny's signed for three more years now, so so someone has to go. I there. think. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I heard any any rumors or something. I think Ackerman's going back there, but that won't be enough. Hmm. There's got to be some. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a funny one with the sprinters because they all only sign for two years mm. because obviously no one wants to sign a sprinter for five years because it could be rubbish in three. There's only really um, that's that's dominated for that long, really, eh? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, everyone everyone's moving at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, because like, pretty sure he's leaving. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Who else? Well, yeah, I wonder, if, I wonder if Ewan stays. I think he's got one more year. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think he does. He's got one more year. Who's got Yakutson, Merlier's obviously new at Quickstep. Um, Philipson. I think he's Philipson, Philipson or he'll he'll stay for sure, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. He's got a good setup there. I'm just trying to yeah. think. Jakobson. I think I think it might be Jakobson who is um linked to Bora. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, there's it's all everyone's been talking about in the Peloton lately is who's going where. <laughs> so I mean there's there's a bunch of different names getting thrown around, but I don't know anything about any of them really. So mm, mm. is is there anyone that um who do you, is there anyone in Australia that leaps out to you? Like who do you think in in Oz who's not in, in the in the world tour ranks now, you think sort of next to step up? Um, next to step up, well, there's a few really good young guys coming through, isn't there? With like uh, Oscar Hamish McKenzie, uh, Hamish, oh, uh, yeah, Oscar as well. Um, yeah, Hamish is, yeah, yeah, who else? Even young Blake Agnoletto's had a few oh, good results yeah. and some pro promises over here. Mm. Um, They're- I'm sure there's a bunch of guys I'm missing that probably have like incredible results. Uh, <laughs> Oh, those little, uh, little little Rogers as well. He's he's probably a bit young, but I'm sure he'll come through quite well. Yeah, there's quite a few. Some of the um under nineteen girls are the Australian under nineteen girls track and road are actually the crop that's in there now are elite, elite. Yeah, yeah. I've heard- I've not really heard anything about the the track program or anything since I've been. In Europe, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it might be worth going to have a look at, actually. Junior Worlds is probably pretty soon. Uh, 
Well, yeah, it'll, it'll all be in Glasgow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that'll, no. be, that'll be grim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's good on Zwift, though. <laughs> if everyone's been yeah. in Glasgow, of course, yeah. ride it on Zwift because it is actually good. Um, but the point, yeah, the point is, I think the Australians, the under-19s, both sides, and under-23s looking bloody good. Um, I mean, I heard a few after road nationals, um, the after the TTs for the under-19 women's, after a couple of the results, um, I can't say who, but it's pretty obvious, um, they were already contacted by some of the World Tour teams. So they are just on it straight. Yeah. yeah, some of the results were pretty crazy. Um, yeah, they, they pick them up young now, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess as the sport like evolves, you know, and gets it mm. gets deeper, you know, the teams have a bit more money to spend, especially on the women's side as well. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. Did you see the the videos of um, that French race that the women's were the women had to race earlier this year with the cars and shit all over the road? They cancelled it in the end. It was like, oh, you might have heard about it. No. I saw I saw a video about something similar to that last night. I think was that yeah yeah it's doing the rounds. It's like it's called there's some French race called CIC Fem Feminar or something like that. It's a it's a it's a French smaller race, but um you know had all the big world tour teams and like on the first stage there was in the finale like you know Cesar Lugu was attacking and in the last two k's in these narrow streets there was just a car like driving like just on the race man <laughs> like. Oh, yeah. yeah, and actually, that's it, a nightmare. Oh, like I wondered, have you? You would have had a few races like that now and again where that's happened. Have you ever seen a car in the last five yeah. like, k? There is, there is the odd car that kind of pops out, or like actually at uh, Venendale, there was a, a pedestrian cyclist within like because it was loops of you know a thirty k circuit or whatever. It was a cyclist on a town bike riding up the middle of the road towards the peloton <laughs> within within like a K of the finish. No way. Was, yeah. Yeah. I was I was in the middle of the bunch, like, you know, sitting up a bit higher going, Oh dear. Here we go. Get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be chaos. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Blake, mate, it was so good chat, dude. Um, thanks for uh, your answers. Yeah, you know, good speaker, man. I think you had a really good response to some of the questions that people asked as well. Thank you, thank you, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, I might see you next year at um, nationals if you're back in Australia for it. And um, yeah, you will. You yeah, will. We'll, maybe we'll catch up. Yeah, Pathy on as well. Oh, mate, for Try sure. See out this hot nation thing. Oh, I reckon, mate. Yeah, I'm all up for what was it, Brunswick or Footscray? Uh, Footscray. Footscray, mate. We're definitely on. <laughs> <laughs> Footscray is. All right, man. Well, um, Done. good luck for the rest of the season, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll all be watching, mate. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Cool. All right, bro. See you later. All right. Ciao.
Horror Legends. That's another episode of the Pro Stream Podcast done and dusted. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a rating or a review on Spotify, Apple, or any podcast player you use. Um, follow the YouTube channel. Share this podcast with a mate. I'm sure there is someone else out there that has not listened to this. So share it with them and say, give it a go, and I'm sure we'll get another listener. Huge thanks to Blake Quick as well for coming on the podcast. Absolute champion, and I think we're definitely going to uh, hit up um, Plappy and Quickie and Kel as well. Maybe Wellsford come Nationals next year. We're going to go to this Hop Nation. I'm just checking it out on the website now, and it looks elite. Maybe we can even get our own brew, Mitch Docker style. That would be pretty cool. Okay, legends. Thanks to the sponsors. Thanks to you, and I'll see you next week.